You're listening to The Invisible Blog. You're all a bunch of atheists. Okay, well, in this case, you are probably all a bunch of atheists, but that's not what this blog is about, and actually the title's pretty clever if if it wasn't just for you. So instead, let me start with what I know is a strong claim. I have never met a religious person who believes the tenets of their religion under the slightest bit of scrutiny. You're all a bunch of atheists. Now, I want to introduce an exception because I'm going to make a bunch of arguments, and that is the professional. According to everything I'm going to say in this blog, the professionals, Ray Comfort, Joel Osteen, and your local pastor are not atheists. I don't know if that's true, but they will look you in the eye and tell you that the Bible is real. Whether they believe it or not is a different story. They will say God is a guy and they believe that he's a guy. Hell is real. Salvation exists. The Bible's the word of God, etc., etc. They have to. It's their job. Hell, it's their job requirement. But my bold claim is that pretty much everybody else, the moment you start talking about what words actually mean, is going to start lying. Now, if I said tomorrow, astrologers believe that the stars influence the personalities and fates of human beings, and anybody who doesn't believe that is not an astrologer, is there any doubt that nobody, astrologer or not, would tell me I was being closed-minded? I mean, imagine how absurd it would be if not just the astrologers themselves, but critics of astrology responded by telling me that, in fact, astrology had nothing to do with the stars. And if you're going to define an astrologer as someone who cares about stars, then you're no better than them there, Christians, who say atheists are just mad at God. But mention that salvation and the Bible are necessary to be a Christian, and, well, the rules change. Despite the fact that no honest person would accept the homeopath is interested in tinctures or the bacon-eating vegetarian, dozens of smart, thoughtful atheists will tell you a sentient God, the Bible and resurrection, don't have any effect on being a believing Christian. And I have no idea what those people are talking about. The first question I always have for those people is, well then, what the fuck do Christians believe? And when you ask them, the first answer, okay, well, the, the first answer that they give is, Eli, you're a poopy pants, and you don't get to decide who's a Christian and who's not, and why are you so close? I don't know why that's the first answer, but that's always the first one. But the, the second answer uh, seems to be that being a Christian is a character assessment of Jesus, based on the three nicest quotes from the Sermon on the Mount, and, you know, nothing else from the Sermon on the Mount, from the Bible that they haven't read. And I gotta be honest, if that's the case, then, like, I'm a Christian. I'm a Buddhist and a Sikh, too, right? Hell, I'm a goddamn Scientologist if the foundational principles and ideas have nothing to do with what it means to be a religion. We have a word for liking good ideas but not believing in their divine or ontological nature. It's called atheism. 
We have t-shirts and everything, don't we? And look, I get it, I do. I'm not trying to be obtuse in this blog and pretend that cognitive dissonance doesn't exist. Of course, many self-identifying Christians don't believe in the Bible in any way you could put those words together that would make sense. Of course, most Christians don't actually believe in salvation or damnation in any way that those words are actually used in the Bible. But that's not a counter-argument. That's the point. You know, if in a hundred years vegetarian comes to mean people who go easy on the bacon but still have it occasionally, I would not suddenly have the meaning of the word wrong. Especially if politics was then filled with extreme vegetarians trying to ban chicken nuggets. But more on that in a moment. Further, I just want to stress that by these non-standards of language that, again, we don't apply anywhere else, how would anybody ever criticize a set of ideas? Consistency is a problem here. See, I know not all Republicans are against gay marriage, but that doesn't accept the party from responsibility. I mean, can you imagine the verbal gymnastics involved in only condemning the foreign policy supporting, party line following, religious in the literal sense Republicans, and the agenda points that they specifically support? all while Jeff Sessions files an amicus brief against Title VII? It's absurd, and we don't do it under any other pretense, except for the one that matters most. Because that's the problem. This question, this problem, isn't just about pedantry. If it was, I mean, look, you've read my spelling. I gotta be honest, I wouldn't care, but... The evil being proposed and executed by extremists uses the dishonesty of the so-called moderates to forward their agenda. I'm not the first to say this, but when the Catholic Church says, we've got a billion members, they say it from the position of an institution that has a billion followers who literally believe that a cracker turns into the flesh of Jesus Christ. And they set policy accordingly. They set policy like an organization that's above the laws of man and above the laws of science and reason. No wonder they still oppose homosexuality, contraception, and abortion. Over a billion people think their employees have literal magic powers, don't they? And one more thing on this. You know what you called a Christian who didn't believe the Bible was the word of God a hundred years ago? An atheist. Or a, a heathen, same thing in some places. A couple hundred years before that, and the word was heretic and might easily result in death, exile, or worse. So imagine my surprise when two or three old ladies' lives later, I'm told that insisting on the meaning of words makes me the close-minded one. And all of this linguistic flexibility ignores a pretty important fact. The fact that the questions of religion matter a hell of a lot more than the questions of the non-stargazing astrologer. Look, the bacon-eating vegetarian is wrong, but he's not going to burn in hell forever. And lest I remind you, that is, or I should say was, until pretty recently, what's at stake behind the word Christian? Look, 83% of the United States identifies as Christian, and it makes a big difference whether 83% of the country believes that God wrote a book that an incorrect reading of will lead to eternal hellfire, or if they're just fans of the words of a whitewashed Bronze Age doomsday preacher to which they attribute 
mediocre levels of enlightenment. I mean, these are ideas that thousands and thousands and thousands of people have died over. When did specificity stop mattering? I want to talk about one last atheist. You see, in these conversations, after the linguists cry-bully their way out of the conversation, as they always do with cries of, wow, great straw man, and nice to see atheists can be as close-minded as the Westboro Baptist Church, which, by the way, is super crazy insulting, and it always comes down to that level of rhetoric. I just want to add as a side note, I, I find myself alone in these conversations after all of that with the last remaining atheist, the atheist believer. And when you ask the atheist believer if there is a hell, and if I'm going there, he'll say yes. Unlike the previous linguists who will tell you about good and bad people, who will give you their post-1990s Dawson's Creek version of Christianity, I mean, he'll cover it in some flowery language, he'll hit you with some deathbed conversion apologetics and some subversion of God's law chicanery, but push comes to shove, the atheist believer will have the decency to just tell you yes. And I want you to know that the atheist believer is lying too because they're a dentist or an electrician. If they thought I was going to hell, you know what they'd be? A preacher. That's why I said at the beginning of the essay, according to all the logic I can muster, there very well may be atheist preachers, but there are no believers who aren't. And easy as it is to make fun of the screaming street preacher, they are doing the moral thing if they're being honest. Again, I know these ideas aren't original with me, but imagine for a second you were walking down the street and a marathon with all of humanity was headed your way, and you and only you seemed to notice a giant hole open in the ground. Don't you step in front, wave your arms, and start screaming? Let alone if the hole was on fire and the people who fell inside would burn in that fire forever? What kind of monster wouldn't? What kind of sadist wouldn't dedicate their every moment and penny to preventing eternal torment of just one more soul? Unless you didn't actually believe it. So what's the solution, right? That's a lot harder. What am I proposing? Well, the first thing I'm proposing is some hard, uncomfortable conversations with the quote-unquote good Christians and Jews and Muslims in your life. There's an impulse, especially in the humanist side of the atheist movement right now, to be forgiving of bad or dishonest ideas as long as they lead to good places. And I'm just as guilty of it as you are. We have to start challenging the good guys, our loved ones, and the public ones to stop lending their name to something that couldn't be more obvious has nothing to do with what they believe. And the rest? Well, David Silverman wrote a better book than I will a conclusion. Go read Fighting God. It's a good book, despite its clickbaity title. But in the meantime, remember, you're all a bunch of atheists. 
Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. Feels good to put back on my religious shoes again for the first time in a while. I want to thank everyone who uh, was involved in the conversation of this blog. This was a little bit more collaborative than I usually do, and so I'm very grateful to those people who helped out. If you haven't supported on Patreon yet, uh, please do so. Got a really higher level patron bonus interview coming up next month. I'm sorry it got delayed, but we were on a trip and got back and I finally nailed this person down. Uh, and we're finally going to do a live stream hangout with my patrons, the higher level patrons. So you're going to get invited to the live stream. I'm going to put up a thing. It's going to be with my wife, Anna, uh, who many of you will have met at live shows. But if you're a higher level patron, keep an eye out for that. We're going to do a Q&A. You'll get to meet the best person I know. And if you're already pledging, uh, stay tuned after the music for a patron-only afterthoughts feed you. <laughs>